On Motorsport 101, the podcast is represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The hosts who have hot takes, and the commenters who criticize us. This is our episode. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. This is episode 278. I am your friend and neighbor, host, Dre Harrison. And, uh, hey, uh, Cam stole my thunder for the intro. He's allowed, because it was a good one. Lucky bastard. Um, the reports <laughs> of my Hennessy-induced demise are greatly exaggerated. Uh, and that hasn't started yet. Maybe next week. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. But uh, the three of us are here to... Shoot the shit and talk about MotoGP's European Grand Prix. Yeah, these tags for these races are getting weirder by the weekend. Like we've had the entire season effectively bar one round in in Europe, but this is this is the European Grand Prix. This one, this race right here, because <laughs> uh, the actual yeah, because the actual Grand Prix of Valencia is next weekend. So this is the European Grand Prix in, for MotoGP, and well. Just when you thought this season was rising towards a tremendous finale, Johan Mir slams the door in everybody's face and says, we're just about done here. Uh, that was, that's going to be fun. Um, Johan Mir, after all his consistency, finally takes his first win. Um, well, in, in dramatic and uh, dominating fashion over his teammate, uh, making history for Suzuki on that one. And well... Chaos further down the field for Yamaha and Fabio Quattararo in particular, um, as the title race just seemed to basically implode in on itself um, on that one. And we'll get into yeah. all of that and a whole heap of drama off the track. We've got, of course, the talk of, of Andre Iannone and his Court of Arbitration Sport uh, case being revealed. Spoiler alert, it didn't go well for the boy Dirty Ian. Um, there'll be rumours about the uh, the last Aprilia seat and now the last remaining seat in the field. Andre Davizioso announcing he's just on a break. And a whole lot more. We've also got drama in the junior categories as well. Big title implication shifts in Moto2 and Moto3 for Sam Lowe's and Albert Arenas respectively. But with me... As always, this on this week we have Ryan King. Hello, sir. Counselor, I have you know that dirty eating piss hot from day one. <laughs> <laughs> King, have you been oh watching Suits God. again? <laughs> uh, King's out here lawyering up. Um, oh dear. <laughs> Say no more on that one. And we have Cam Buckley with us again. Hello, sir. Hello, I've returned from my one-week sabbatical. Well, nice, Davi's nice. going on his year sabbatical. Might not be. Aprilia might pick him up. He might never come back. We don't know. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just sick of the changes and the twists this year in MotoGP. <laughs> it's just an embarrassment of riches. Oh, it's, just, it's the gift that keeps on giving, Buckley. Um, you know, it, it's 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 a, it's a fun time for all involved, apart from the actual championship, which is pretty much over now. I would say it's Great. not too fun for Yamaha right now, because man, a Ooh. year that began with so much hope is just in the drink. <laughs> oh, it's 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 ugly. It is ugly to say the least on that one. But in the meantime, let's run down the bases you can find this one real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. If you're watching this on there right now, hi! Nice to see you. Subscribe, hit the bell for notifications on new videos and whatnot. Um... Our Twitter is on the screens right now. We've got our, under our usernames or in the description down below. But if you listen to the audio version, we're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, and at CBuckley917. RJ isn't here, unfortunately. He'll be back next week. Um, you can follow him too at RJ O'Connell. We love him. Come back soon, he was son. Simply, he, was simply, he was simply shocked into not appearing by the state of the Honda 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Sweep in GT500. Whew. Yeah, he, he, that that takes some time to recover from. So he'll be back next week to talk about that. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You can find us on Instagram and Instagram.com forward slash Motorsport 101 pod. You can follow us on there. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of the audio versions of our shows. You can upgrade to the $10 tier for the video versions of these shows. 
and you get access to the supporters club of our Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. Big shout out to Tony, to Jason, to Rezzy, and to Vic for joining us. If you haven't already, tweet Jason your um, Motorsport 101 Awards nominations as well. Um, he's got the full list on his Twitter account. Go follow him on there, at Jason underscore Poland underscore 87, if you want to get your nominations in for the Harry Awards. Harry Awards? That's my old YouTube channel. Ah, damn. The Motorsport 101 Awards. That's too self-indulgent of me. I apologise. Um, <laughs> but um, also, real quick, because we like sharing little personal projects every once in a time, if you are a fan of the Driven by Diversity podcast, they had a special guest this past weekend. Your boy, me. I was on there talking all about us, the show, and all the stuff regarding diversity in motorsport, Formula 1's V-Races 1, and a whole lot more. It was a great time. Big thanks to Lindsay, to Ariana, and to Steph for having me on. It's a great time. They've had a fantastic set of guests over the last few months, and it was an honour to be able to share their platform with them. Um, so if you, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to them. I can't believe I just plugged another podcast on this show, but it has to be pretty good for that to happen. So, hey... Check it out if you haven't already. If you've enjoyed some of the work we've done over the last few months, you'll probably enjoy that conversation too. So, without further ado, let's get in to the European Grand Prix. The biggest drama of the weekend was before a wheel was even turned. Yamaha was investigated by the stewards for running an illegal valve from the season opening race in Haref. Even though they were proven not to enhance Yamaha's performance... Quite the opposite, given their reliability, you could argue. This was still a breach of the sport's technical regulations. Their punishment? 50 manufacturer points deducted, as well as 20 points taken away from the factory Yamaha team standings and 37 from the Petronas satellite team standings. The riders' points, however, remained unaffected. Further woes for Yamaha soon followed as Valentino Rossi was still positive for COVID-19 until Saturday morning, meaning World Superbikes rider Garrett Gerloff was flowing in to substitute on Friday. Worse still, Maverick Vinales was forced to start from the pit lane after using his sixth different engine for the year. Oh, and a pretty sacked Bradley Smith for Lorenzo Savadori for some reason. Weird. In a largely wet weekend until Sunday morning, it was KTM's Paul Espagaro on pole position. Hey, King! Hey, KTM! Ahead uh, of Alex Rins. Pole on pole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Some red hot pole but on that's pole That's not going to last long. Ahead <laughs> <laughs> of Alex Rins and Takanakagami on the front row. The other major title contenders had Joan Mir 5th, Frankie Morbidelli 9th, Fabio Quattararo 11th, and Andrea Divizioso 12th. As the race got underway, we had immediate title drama as Alicia Spargaro spun out on the opening lap, leading to Fabio Quattararo squeezing his brake pedal a bit too hard and crashing himself in near-synchronized fashion. He was able to continue, but limped home in 14th, effectively ending his title hopes. The top three broke away fairly quickly, with Pole holding his lead, but was quickly joined by the two Suzukis of Rins and Mir. Taka Nakagami and Miguel Oliveira had their own fight for fourth that Taka would eventually come away from in front of. But at the top of the field, it was Pole who was pressured by Rins until an opening presented itself at the turn 11 hairpin, with Mir following through half a lap later. For the first time all season, Suzuki were 1 and 2. In the middle portion of the race, they held, they held steady until an uncharacteristic slip-up at turn 11 from Rins opened the door for Mir to lead a race for the first time since Styria. And from there, Mir never looked back, opening a second lead and was untouchable all the way to the line as Suzuki took their first 1-2 finish since the German Grand Prix of 1982, with oh Mir becoming God. MotoGP's ninth different winner this season and the fifth brand new winner of the 2020 season. Paulus Magaro on the podium in third for KTM, Takanakagami top independent in fourth, and Miggy Oliveira rounding off the top five in fifth. And with Morbidelli 11th and Maverick Vinales 13th, Mir all of a sudden has a championship point for a week's time at the Valencia Grand Prix. This time again, this weekend. A podium finish will wrap it up for the young Spaniards. It also gives Suzuki a serious chance of the Triple Crown after Yamaha's deductions. Championship standings, in case you guys are unaware, you know, Amir has 162. He has a 37-point lead now ahead of Fabio Quattararo and Alex Rins. They're both tied on 125. Quattararo ahead on countback, three wins to one. And then Maverick Vinales on 121 in fourth. Those are the only four men who are now mathematically eligible to win the title. 
And, uh, oh boy. <laughs> this was, uh, well, in the words of R.J. O'Connell, championship implications. <laughs> big, big. This has, big this one. weekend, the, the, the controversy off the track, the events on the track, have dismantled Yamaha's year. The year that opened looking like they were going to take it to Marquez. Well, mm-hmm. Marquez fell by the wayside. And so have they. And and they know it too. Maverick Vinales said on Saturday night after qualifying, not even he didn't even make Q2. And he said himself, because he knew starting from pit lane, he said, look, this was the perfect chance for us to win the championship. Marquez wasn't here. 2017 and 2020 were, quote, golden chances. And Yamaha is not taken advantage was the words yeah. he literally said and this um, they've won half the races this year dre there's no excuse six, six out of 12 six out yeah. of 12 races this year have been won by yamaha quarara's got three morbidelli has two vinales has one they've won 50 percent of the grand prix this year and they have a very strong chance of leaving the season with nothing because yeah. if their deductions are now in play we don't normally talk about the minor category standings as well hmm Suzuki's now, I think, got a 55-point lead in the team standings. They're not being and I caught. Think then that's, no, pr- that's, that's, all but, that's all but over for the team standings. Suzuki will most likely win the team championship now, barring a miracle. And in the Manufacturers' Championship, the fun thing we dug up about that was that before this race, Ducati was still leading the Manufacturers' Championship by eight <laughs> points. <laughs> The Pramac is is getting a big fruit basket at the end of the season from the factory team as a thank you for keeping their manufacturer afloat. Um, but Suzuki is now taking the lead in that one because I think the best Yamaha was Jack Miller on the day in sixth, while Suzuki won. Um, with obviously with with Mir at the front of the field, so Suzuki now has a very good chance of the triple crown. Which is something you would never have guessed back in April or back in July when we restarted. In the middle of the season. We just didn't see it. King. Yeah. Remember my quote from that wonderful John Muir pass earlier this year? Yes. <laughs> Johan Muir is the truth. Yep, he is. And he is proving it over and over. He is the only man at the top flight right now who is consistent. Yeah, he's the only person that's consistent. Uh, the Honda is still a bad bike. Well, it's bad unless you ride it exactly like Mark Marquez, then somehow you're able to be fast on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's very fast, but it has an incredibly narrow operating window. And Yamaha, it's it's at the feet of their riders. Fabio has binned so many points this year. And mm-hmm. Vinales, Vinales folds like tissue paper. If he doesn't have the perfect race and he doesn't get a big lead on lap one, he folds. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, he can't keep being the king of the hypothetical race. He's got to translate right. the speed into a win. He's got to translate it into real race pace. And Valentino, well, it's just Valentino. It's at this just point. too late. He's just, just to be, too late for him. Yeah. To be fair for Valley, obviously he didn't roll up until Saturday morning due to still being positive for COVID until Friday night. So they had to fly yeah. him in last minute um, on Friday night because um, he was still positive on Thursday, but he tested negative on Friday twice to get into the paddock. Um, hence why we had we saw Garrett Gerloff on on Friday. And he was actually very quick. He was fifth in FP two. We were like, hang on a minute. <laughs> He's pretty good. Garrett Gerloff's kid's Garrett pretty, Gerloff's good. pretty good. Good, pretty good. Good job. I think Rossi gave him apparently a, a big pat on the back, which I wouldn't be too confident about given he's just had COVID. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, mm. it's just... You stay away. It's falling away <laughs> from them. And this it, it, Suzuki, this wonderful bike that these two riders can just throw into a corner with reckless abandon, mm. use their talent to control and pick it up out of the corner. It just yeah. works. Even in qualifying, it's, they're starting to get there. Yeah, Rins was second, Mir was fifth. No complaints about that at all, getting both your riders on the front two rows. And yeah, we, we've talked about, about the Suzuki before. It just has such a fantastic chassis, has brilliant turning, can turn on a sixpence, um, and is best on its tires. If anything, it has too much rear grip. That's how good yeah, it is. Because it has too much understeering quality, where it's just got mm. too much grip on fresh slicks. But 
we've been saying, you know, it's been the case for a couple of years. We've been looking at the Suzuki and thinking, if they get that engine right, if they get mm-hmm. it up to just where the Yamaha is, it will be a dangerous bike. Yeah. And their straight line speed has been equal, if not better, than Yamaha's with their engine debacle this year. Yeah, and, and that was the story of this race. Like, the only man that had the leading pace that they had was Paul Spargaro, and they just waited, and they took advantage of the, of the fact that the KTM can't turn in as well on turn 11, the slowest corner on the yep. track. And yeah. that's how... The KTM the, was... The KTM's still a work in progress. Compared to where it was last year, completely Le- different team. Leaps and bounds better. Like Again, we had oh, Paul yeah. over comfortably on the podium, and Miguel Oliveira was comfortably top five. You can't complain. That's a, no. that's an excellent result for KTMs, both KTM teams, I should say, because Ike Laquona, we forgot about Ike Laquona. He wasn't here this weekend either. Not because he had COVID, but because one of his, I think it was his brother tested positive for COVID, and because he had had close contact... He had to self-isolate and miss this race. Um, Ica is negative, thankfully, but he should be back, I think, this weekend. Um, so, yeah, we had no Ica Laquona either. He wasn't replaced at all, so it was actually quite a thin grid. Uh, not now, for the first time this season. Like, <laughs> so, Suzuki's gains this year, how how real are they? Are Is this like, uh, you know, a 93-94 NBA-style situation where... Is Suzuki just going to be good for this one year? Can they actually maintain their position within the field next season? Obviously, it's kind of scary to compare Mark Marquez to Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But that's the stage we're at with him. I, I don't know if they'll be able to take it to Mark once Mark is back because... Yeah, fucking Mark Marquez. We for, so quickly we forget he had the greatest season in the history of Grand Prix motorcycle racing in 2019, right? In every statistical category. But that, I think that's, that's, what's what this is is Suzuki has very clearly cemented themselves as the best, the best out of everyone, the best little round package. It's just, Con- yeah. Consider where Rins would be if he hadn't been, come into this year injured. He, he, he missed three rounds. He, he would have been right up there in terms of a championship fight. He could be leading uh, it right now. Yeah, he, he was up there. With the, he was, you know, if there was no reason to think Suzuki wouldn't, wouldn't be up there. And yeah, I, I completely agree with Cam in the sense that it, Mark Marquez is such an outlier compared to the rest of the field. It's nearly impossible to say how Suzuki will fit in next year assuming Mark is fully fit, which I'm sure he will be. Um, so it's it, it's it's hard to say for sure, because Marquez is 150 points better than the field was last year. It's such a freak number yeah, it, that races don't know. After races ahead. Yeah, so... It's, it's unprecedented. It's hard, to, it's hard to say for sure, but they, Suzuki are directly running against Yamaha, who have had arguably the fastest bike all around this year. And Ducati, who again have had multiple, like I've had multiple wins this year, wet and dry, and have had their Pramac team challenge for victories in its own right. Bagnaia still stood of one Masano. You know, Miller's been up yeah. there multiple times this year in his own right. So Ducati's not been terrible. It's just the we expect them to be better. The, fa- the, the factory has struggled. been, but Pramac has whatever they've done with their setups, they've kind of got their head around this 2020 uh, Michelin yeah. rear slick. Plus so, Bagnaia. For some reason, Ben Yaya just gets on better with this bike than he did last year. Yeah, he's just better on turning. Um, exactly. So, yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of the field shakes out afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Suzuki all of a sudden might be the best team in the sport. And that's a terrifying prospect because... And, like, Cam said it himself that Mir was the real deal. And the funny thing is... People in the paddock knew. They knew a long time ago that they told this kid was special. Yeah, I I had it on word from a lot of people around 2017 sort of time that they said, keep an eye on Yoan Mir, this kid's the real deal. He's special. I didn't believe them until the year he won the Moto3 title and where he won 10 Grand Prix that season and I thought, his racecraft is on another level. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And it's and, funny and we talk we about Mir. Yeah, we saw it this year, like the, the tremendous improvement, the all-round game that he's developed and improved with. The most terrifying thought is... Yeah, the, the most terrifying thought is, 
He didn't have a top flight podium till this year. He'd gone nearly three that. years since the last time he won a Grand Prix. There was a very strong chance he would have gone the whole season without a win and still won the championship. <laughs> and this I'm kind of disappointed he did. <laughs> just because I yeah. wanted the insanity of that stat. Because that has never happened in the top flight of Grand Prix motorcycle no, racing. No, it's not happened in any tier of motorcycle racing since 1998. When, when Alzamora won in the 125 class with no wins in the top flight series. He won it off pure consistency. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's, and that was it's that we watched it. It's like a, it's like a switch flipped. We we mentioned it when he got his first podium earlier this year, mm. and we're like, that's going to be a confidence boost. And yeah. since then, he has been cleanly the best rider in MotoGP. It's, yeah, just it's cons- been he's the only person who just keeps operating at this high level, and now he's yeah. got his first win. Just pure consistency. Always there. Always challenging. Doesn't matter where you qualify, he's in the mix. He's the only rider in in the field that's been able to do that consistently over the last 12 races. Everybody else has had bad days. They've had had greater peaks like Fabio, who's won three times this year, but they've made championships on your worst day. Yeah, and And Mir's not really had one. They just haven't been that bad. No, he's he's not really had a bad day pretty much all season long, and yeah, it just not of his own doing. At least he's had a couple bike failures. On just riding alone, he could have he could have wrapped the title up already on pure consistency. Should have won Styria. That he was unlucky to lose out on that one due to the red flag that came along. He was leading that race comfortably when that happened, but. You look at this. You look at this season. Yeah, he didn't. We didn't. He had a he had a retirement in 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 her in her F's around where that wasn't his fault. He had a D, he had he did F in Bruno. Ever since then, second fourth, second fourth, third second second, eleventh at Le Mans in the rain, third third first, untouchable. And that's why he's now got a thirty seven like, point lead. It's like, it's like the the second half of Kimi Raikkonen's F two thousand seven F one championship. Right. As everyone's falling apart around him, he just keeps getting podiums. Right. Um, and, and that's how he's gotten to this point. And like you said, I would love to have known where Rins would have been if he was fully fit for the whole season. That would have been a, a great a great way to connect in its own right. Now, we've got to talk about Dirty Ian. because Dirty this the- Ian confirmed. <laughs> Pissed hot. Oh, dear. Oh, man. Dear. Andre Iannone. He lost his appeal, a four-year ban. Yeah, backdated to last year, so he's got three years left to serve, basically. But we've been following this story for pretty much the whole season. We had to wait and wait and wait. The core bar arbitration for sport was like, we did this back in the end of October. We've got to wait three weeks for the result. We were all just sitting there going, what's happening? And then it was Simon Patterson that broke the news. That uh, Ian Oni had lost his appeal. Now, for those guys who are new to this story, a quick catch up. Um, November last year, around Thailand, sort of time, um, he basically had failed a drug test from the FIM. Um, it was for the anabolic steroid Tristonolone. Um, Ian Oni had appealed the initial punishment and said, I'm going to say, look, this was tainted meat. Um, you know, I didn't take this knowingly. Um, it was it was bad meat. It had this in it. I had no idea what had happened. Amazingly, the FIM had actually bought his excuse. Um, and they reduced the, the mandatory four year ban that you normally get for failing a drug test in the FIM and cut it down to a mere eighteen months. Um, now Ian only took that as a way of saying, "All right, let's play double or nothing." He had basically thought. Okay, if you believed my story, why am I getting a suspension at all? Was the argument that he made. So he was like, we're taking this to the court of arbitration for sports. And on the other side of things, your friends at at the World Anti-Doping Association, the World Anti-Doping Agency said, hey... In in the FIM rulebook, it says for for an offense like this, it should be uh, it should be four years. Why don't you give him eighteen months? Uh, something doesn't add up here. We're gonna appeal your yeah, decision. It didn't, it didn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. It didn't make sense that he could have been not guilty, not knowingly guilty, while also being completely guilty, and enough to partially suspend him. It made no sense. 
Right. So the World Anti-Doping Agency joined in and also appealed the result and took it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So the CAS heard both of those cases at the same time at the end of October, and it was revealed on Friday that Ian Oney had lost his appeal. The the overriding reason, if you read the full report, basically, came down to the fact that Ian Oney could not prove that the meat that he had taken had been tainted. Basically, yes. long story short, yeah, he, that was, he didn't that have was, proof to back up his story. And you know that that's important in any court case to have you know <laughs> evidence, evidence, <laughs> evidence, none. Yeah, we just so, think uh, <laughs> Andre Iannone is gone. He is Dumb. gone. At this age, his career at the top flight is over. Yeah, he's thirty three years old. It's over. He's, he 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 would not be able to be eligible to race again until December of. 2023 um, yeah keep in so, mind it, it it backdates to the initial offense so he has three yes. years left effectively three years yeah. left on his back yeah and look if we're saying right now we'll get to another italian rider in a minute that we probably don't think he's coming back after his sabbatical there is no chance in hell that ian only is getting another gig in moto gp ever again no <sighs> not a chance um Andre yeah Iannone, i think is in my book, is the biggest waste of sheer talent Oof. in the top flight of any any motorsport in like the last twenty years. Just stupid Fuck. decision after stupid decision, and it's cost mm-hmm. him his career. Yeah, we, we, I mean, he he sh- like the the eighteen month suspended sentence was such a sweet deal. Like it was such a just sweet. take it, take it, and just- run. <laughs> Take it and run. Let let that be Wada's problem if they want to appeal it. Let that go down to them. Just take the eighteen months. You might have you might have come back. He'd be back in half a year. Right now he'd be back middle of next year. Yeah, because Aprilia were loyal to Ian Oni. They were like, if Ian Oni comes out innocent, we're keeping him here. They said it. They made it more than clear, abundantly clear, that if Ian Oni was innocent, they were going to stand. They were going to stand by their rider and keep him on the team. Now they've been left with no choice. They've got to let him go because he's de- he's dead rubber for three more years. And yeah. got Cam no is so right. It. Cam is so right. Ian only is such a tragic waste of talent. I mean, I'll go back to his Ducati days in 2015. He was breaking through. He won. He won in 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 Austria first time round. He was a a, a key part. He of brought that. Ducati back to the winner's circle. Yeah, after years Def- out and nearly six remember, years. Remember, he was. He was one of the protagonists of the greatest race I've seen. Yeah. Phillip Island 2015. Going hammer blows with Valentino Rossi and Jorge Lorenzo and Mark Marquez. He he belonged. And like I said, he he brought Ducati their first victory in nearly six years. Their first win since Stoner. And he was a key part of their history. And then the crash in Argentina, he took out his teammate. He lost his when job he had a contract. He had a yeah. contract for the next year. They were going to drop Dovi. They were going to keep Ianoni over Dovi. They were going to keep Ianoni over Dovi, and then that crash tore up the contract. They gave it to Dovi instead. They went after Jorge Lorenzo. Like Ianoni was kicked out of the team. Went to Suzuki. Didn't really have good results. He put the team into disrepute because of his party and antics. He was not liked in the camp. He shunned everybody. He lost his job at Suzuki. They brought in Johan Mir instead. <laughs> working out pretty well. well. <laughs> working out all right. Might have the world champion by the, by the time this weekend go and this episode goes a out. Triple crown. Right, right, and now goes to Aprilia and then takes a steroid. I just and not only I that. Just, remember the start of his uh, Aprilia stint. He couldn't make preseason testing because his helmet didn't fit anymore because he got plastic surgery. Oh yeah, that is just yes, that is the yes. most Andrea Iannone incident I can imagine. I've, I, t- I told then, you, and then like, claiming this bike is his own, claiming this uh, this Aprilia as oh it was built according to my specifications, shutting out Alicia Spargaro. Well, yeah. if those were built to your specifications, they might not want to bring it back because Aprilia right. stinks. The only team on concessions in the sport right now. By far the worst team in the sport, without a, without a doubt, and it it's it all just adds up to a tragic story of Ian Oni, who was a fantastic talent, but has let it go to waste in the last half decade, and 
yeah, it's a real shame because the sport would be better of him at the top. Um, he's a tremendous talent, but uh, yeah, crying shame. And uh, yeah, he won't be missed. Um, speaking of Italian riders, uh, we got we got the word a couple Dismantle days ago. Them. Yeah, Andrea De Vizioso, his former teammate at Ducati, the man we know is going to be, quote, fun employed in three weeks' time. <laughs> well, he won't be on the grid at all in 2021 because he announced on Instagram uh, a couple of days ago that he is taking a sabbatical from the sport in 2021, which I think is a really polite way of saying he's done. Um, I think I think this is the Mika Hakkinen sabbatical. I think uh, sabbatical that never ends. <laughs> sabbat- yeah, he might come. You know, he might go. Uh, he might go race an Audi GT3 car. Woo! Because I think uh, I, I think. I don't think there's a path back in for him at his age. No, everyone's I, well, looking for the next uh, the next big thing rather than trying to bring back the old big thing. I think this sabbatical is like, hey, I'm retired, but if anyone wants me, I'm still around. Right, Not you, right. Aprilia. I'm above <laughs> your bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, because uh, yeah, it's another crying shame, you know. A a brilliant rider. Perhaps in the wrong team at the wrong time, and up against what might be the greatest motorcycle rider who ever lived. Three time championship runner up. This is this is gonna be the first time that anyone in the MotoGP championship not named Mark Marquez will beat him in four years. Yeah. He was the greatest rival that Marquez has, has faced in his GP career to date. And let's not Push forget him to the limit. Twice. The only, he's the only man in the field that is able to consistently beat him one on one. Like we've seen it half a dozen times where Dovi has outfoxed Marquez to win a Grand Prix. He's the only man in the field that can do that. It was a genuine X factor. He it was, and I still argue, still is, is the second best rider on the planet. A thinking man's rider. I, it wasn't. It hasn't rider. been a debate for the last couple. Of years. He's been miles ahead. Even last year when Ducati began their struggles. And it mm. appeared to be Fabio taking it to Mark. Davi still crushed the rest of the field to second in the championship. Yeah, he was like sixty plus points ahead of everybody else. Like, it, like he was a comfortable second. Like it's it, it it was it was Dovi that was the fawn in Marquez's side all the way through, and he the timing He's been of their X factor. Yeah, the timing of COVID-19 has not helped. Obviously, teams are shuffling around and needing help and, you know, deals getting done later than usual. The fact that Ducati were digging their heels in. it Like, I look at the situation now with Ducati and I go, okay, you've got Miller and Banyaya in the factory team next year. And I'm sitting here thinking, are we sure about Banyaya? Because he's not been the same since he crashed in Masano. <sighs> he's ha- he's like, had flashes. I think... The the 2020 Ducati is such a troubled bike. It just mm. doesn't work. And no, you've got four pretty damn talented riders in Davi, Petrucci, Pecco, and uh, and Miller. And they just can't two of them, yeah. Two of them race winners, another one who should have won a race this year. Um, yeah. Another one that's an been a contender. Failure. Yeah, another one that's had multiple podiums as well in Jack Miller. Yeah, I mean... It, it's... And, what and they need right now is an anchor. Yeah. Do- like, Davi has three. This was Davi's, like, chance. It, hmm. it kind of sums up Davi's career in a sense. This was his chance to get get one up and get that title. And Ducati shot the bed this year. Yeah. Just For everyone. Did not, just did not understand those 2020 Michelins and it crippled their best rider season. The man, the, the man that I was thought was nailed on to win the title this year after Marquez's injury. And. Yeah, Look, just the one after win. Austria. Yeah, you thought, okay, it's Dovi's to lose now. He's going to win the second Austria race in Styria, and he's going to just ride off into the sunset with a championship. And this was this nope. was the same weekend they announced he wasn't going to be staying with the team. And I thought, yeah, Dovi's going to Dovi's going to win the fuck you title on the way out. And no, it just hasn't happened. The fact he was still no. in contention pretty much until this race was a miracle until, in its yeah. own right. <laughs> like, yeah, because the, the the ducks have been qualifying; they've been having trouble getting out of Q one. Yeah, and for a factory that damn near took the team's title last year, were it not for Petrucci underperforming and Marquez right. performing the way he did, that, that's not acceptable. Indeed. He hasn't. Indeed. He and uh, 
I'm not going to try and butcher his name. The, the uh, team principal at Ducati. Yeah, Gigi Delinia. Yeah, the two of them not speaking for what sounds like years on end because of their different ideas on how to leave a team. Well, probably should have listened to Davi. And they're going to have next to nothing to show for all their time together. And that's besides no. the, I think, it was, I think it was 13 wins that Davi had with the team. Um, yeah, he's probably done. And uh, if, it, if it is the end, a, a fine rider, a excellent human being, one of the proper, sensible, level-headed, likable dudes in MotoGP, one of the old guard that, you know, didn't just wither away into the night, was just a great mm. driver, a great head on his shoulders, didn't take himself too seriously. Like, There's I not about, many people um, who will dislike mm. Andrea Davizioso. None. You may not none. support he's a, he's him. A, I can't he's think of guy. someone who dislikes the man. <laughs> no, I've never heard a bad word said about Dovi as a person, ever. Like, the fact that him and Marquez always had the most utmost of respect with zero, like, issues of a rift or anything between yeah. them, despite it's been... seven or eight times they had Barneys with each other. Like, yeah, it's said a lot about laps, that relationship. 20 laps of slamming handlebars at, yeah. at 100, 150 plus miles per hour. Get off the bike and handshake and hug. Yeah, it's you, like you, there's like, nothing better than that. My my favorite one was when it was Austria a couple of years ago, where Marquez is literally strangling the man, holding him by the <laughs> neck, and they're all just laughing because it's just I can't beat this man one on one. We can't it, beat this guy. <laughs> we can't beat this guy. Yeah, if but, if uh, it is the end, Dovi will be missed. Certainly, he will be missed because he's a great talent, a fantastic rider, a, a level-headed, sensible dude, and like he's one of the real likable guys in in the sport. It's been a pleasure to watch uh, him. Absolutely, uh, wish him the very best. Um, it's not quite as fun with, without him at the top. Certainly, going to the bottom of the field real quick. Um, we've got uh, some some announcements to get through. Avincia announced their 2021 lineup, and it's going to be a bit of an interesting sort of hybrid team, I guess you could say, because they announced that Luca Marini and Anea Bastianini were all, are going to be their riders for 2021, but they also announced that Luca Marini will race in the VR46 team colours next year. Um, which... <laughs> Rossi <laughs> Ducati back together. <laughs> Talk about a, a a relationship ending less than amicably. Oh, 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 oh Jesus! Oh boy, that didn't go well. Um, How, that was a that's, mis- no. that's very twenty twenty. That Valentino was a Rossi and Ducati making up. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, Marini will race in the VR forty six colors with the Avintia team, and the Bastianini will race in the standard Avintia colors. Now, Avintia wanted to sell their grid slots for quite some time. The VR46 Academy basically did that whole meme of I'm going to pay you $100 to fuck off to Tito Rabat, and that's exactly what they did because they bought him out of his ride even though he had a year <laughs> left on his contract. Um, they bought him out, basically. So, bye Tito. Um, and, and seriously, in brackets, I wish Tito the very, very best because, uh, dear man, he's not been the same since his horror crash where he nearly bled to death at Silverstone. I'm not making no. any of that up. Um, but that's, no, he's um, uh, he's got the raw deal. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. I hope he can have something resembling a healthy life. Indeed. Um, you see, he's he said he, there was there was a great feature on BT Sport a couple of months ago where he talked about that day at Silverstone and he said, "Look, I owe the marshals my life." Um, and he, he we went back to thank them personally and gave them gifts and said thank you for saving my life basically because he was minutes away apparently from bleeding to death from how badly broken his leg was that day at Silverstone where the rain came down and um, he fell off the outside of um, the, the, the back of the hangar straight and at 180 miles an hour it was a horrifying accident and which led to the weekend eventually being cancelled. Um, and oh, yeah, yes, I the hope... hashtag cancelled. Yeah. Now available UK. on Bike Live. Indeed. <laughs> One of the weirdest episodes of a podcast I've ever done not talking about a race. But uh, here, we here it was. I talked for two hours about a race that didn't happen. Right! Uh, only us! God, I miss you, Lewis. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very true. And... 
it's a solid team. Luca Marini and Ene Bastianini, you know, first and I think third in the Moto Two Championship right now. Um, well, not a lot of this really year's, uh, Once they got some backing together, they proved mm. to be pretty solid behind uh, Johan Zarco. Zarco again, just strong when he wants to be. When the bike is dialed in, Vinci are as good as the factory boys. Uh, so you know, it's Which is, imagine saying that last year. Jesus Christ! It's, it's been a it's been a weird season. So yeah, it's been a weird uh, year. Look, look forward to the uh, split colored Vinci's of twenty twenty one because we're seeing the first steps of the VR forty six MotoGP team coming into place because. They can also confirmed that the Moto3 team is being scrapped. Celestino Vietti will move up to Moto2 next year to take Marini's seat at the Moto2 team alongside Bez. Um, and of course, Marini moving up into what will be one half of the VR46 slash Avintia MotoGP team, basically. So, yeah, it, the, the Moto3 team is no more. It's obsolete. And it's going to have a one bike in the top flight. And the Moto Two team for the moment. They might bring this. They said they might bring the Moto Three team back down the road, basically. But uh, they want to focus on the top flight for now. But yeah, the ladder is in place, and if that holds up, it would mean that four VR Forty Six Academy riders could be in the top flight next year. Because the other major rumor that's going around right now is that Marco Bezzecchi might get the second Aprilia seat. Yeah, he's the front a- runner in the media right now to. Uh- replace Iannone's no longer available seat. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. Um, no longer available there was to a, him, at least. Yeah. Um, Crutchlow can't negotiate with anybody else because he signed an exclusivity agreement with Aprilia, but he looks like he's out of the running. There was rumours about Jorge Lorenzo being in the shop window. Lorenzo had to deny them on Twitter a couple of days ago. Um, there was still talk about the Vizioso. It looks like Dovi's turned them down um, to announce his sabbatical. So now it's looking like Bez might take over. Man, there still why has an outside chance. From, uh, why would he <laughs> want to go from one dysfunctional Italian team to the most dysfunctional Italian team? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, we all know how pretty to treat their younger riders. We all saw what happened with Sam Lowe's a couple of years ago. They basically dumped him after five rounds. Like, like Bez, are you sure you want this? Like, how about Scott honestly. Redding? Yeah. You, you can only do so much to polish a turd. Indeed, indeed. So yeah, Bez is the front runner for that seat now. We'll have to wait and see if that ends up coming up to fruition. If if, if it does. Let's talk about Rossi's legacy. Frankie Morbidelli, Francisco Bagnaia, Luca Marini, and Marco Bezzecchi, four academy graduates in the top flight of motorcycle racing. What an achievement that would be for the VR46 Academy to get five of their own guys uh, in, the, in the top flight of the sport, which is uh, incredible, to say the least. Um, so yeah, that, that would be, be kind of wild. Um, also, one last big MotoGP story to get through in the meantime here. The 2021 calendar was officially uh, unveiled a couple of days ago. Now, Tentatively. T- this is a big, big provisional. I should put that in big, red, bold letters here. This is a provisional calendar. I am almost certain at least one of these races will not hold up. Oh, wait, we're, not, we're not racing in the great nation of TBD. <laughs> Mm, I don't know. They're a bit hostile this time of year. Um, <laughs> all I'm saying is, if you think there's going to be a Grand Prix in America in April right now, <laughs> um, I, unlikely. I, I, I don't know. Things change. Things change. Well, you know, maybe a new president might help. Just you know, one that actually gives a shit about COVID. That 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 might that might help. Uh, but we don't do politics on this show. No, no. Anyway, here's the provisional calendar. Something, something. As it's... Voter fraud. <laughs> something, something. I won. Something, something. Et cetera. Stop the stop the counting. Something, something. Count all the votes. Count them unless Let's... I'm lose unless I'm winning there, and then stop counting them. Yep, yep. Can I run through this calendar now, Fedders? Are you finished making political jokes? Yes? Look, we can make them for another two hours, but... uh, (laughs) Good point. I'm time limited. Yeah, let's crack on. We'll only count the legal votes here, or the legal races in this case. So, (laughs) season... (laughs) So, we'll start provisionally... (laughs) 
We're starting in Qatar in, in, back at the end of March, March 28th. Um, then we have a back-to-back, April 11th at Argentina um, at Tel Hondo and um, the uh, Temas de Rio de Hondo. Um, and then the Circuit of the Americas on April 18th. Maybe. I, I had that as a strong maybe at the moment. Why, why are we a maybe? Uh, why, why isn't Argentina maybe? Why, why is it us? Oh, there... Because uh, you happen to be here, okay? We haven't got an Argentinian flavor to the oh. show. Lionel Messi's not behind me, but no, it, it's probably sketchy for Argentina as well. Um, quite frankly, um, Jerez on May second is round four to start the European races off. Then we got a couple of weeks later, we have Le Mans on May sixteenth. Then Mugello on May thirtieth. Please, Italy, get your shit in order. I've missed bikes at Mugello. Please. We had to deal with a mediocre F1 race instead. <laughs> hey, instead um, we got one of the funniest restarts of recent memory. Oh, that was hilarious, wasn't it? That, that, that was funny. That was funny. Um, that is a back-to-back Mugello with Catalonia on June 6th. Then a couple of weeks later, we go back to the Saxon ring, fingers crossed, on June 20th for the first time in a couple of years. Also, we, we missed the German Grand Prix this year due to uh, Germany having no big public events. Um, that is a back-to-back with Assen! Please, Assen, come back. I've missed Assen a lot. Uh, I would love Assen to be there. Then hopefully we finally get the first of the rounds in Finland at the Kaimi Ring on July the 11th. Now, there is a TBD here. There is a a big round missing here. If you have not worked it out already, that's Bruno. Bruno is not confirmed for next year. No. Uh, um, that circuit still has money problems. Um, a- Mr. Carroll Abraham Sr. is trying to figure it out. Um, I'll get to potential replacements in a minute if they can't race at Renault, because there are a few rounds in reserve that are interested. But if there is going to be a-, a Grand Prix in the Czech Republic at Renault, it'll be there in between, most likely, before a three-week summer break. So I've had to guess it would probably be July 25th. Um, but again, that's to be the term not confirmed if it yet. happens if it happens at all we'll have to wait and see um the next confirmed round is august 15th at uh, austria's red bull ring of course then uh the british grand prix at silverstone on august 29th probably pissed down with rain given global warming and whatnot but anyway <laughs> two weeks later aragon on september 12th that's part of a back-to-back with misano in san marino with the circuit demarco simoncelli um the flyaways are a little bit different now. Um, normally, we'd have the flyaway triple header traditionally. It's now a flyaway quadruple header, but they've split it in between. So it's going to be two back-to-backs with a two-week gap in the middle. So we go to Mategi for Japan on October 3rd. That's back-to-back with Thailand, the Chang Circuit in Buriram on October 10th. Then we take two weeks off amazingly for once then we go to Phillip Island for the headline blue ribbon event the Australian Grand Prix on October 24th that'll be back to back with Sepang at Malaysia on October 31st for Formula 1 um, and we have also got the uh, season finale at Valencia on November 14th um, now as mentioned if that TBD slot isn't Bruno. There are three reserve rounds in place. And the three reserve rounds in place are this season, season finale at Portimao. Bring it back, you cowards. Um, <laughs> we like Portimao here. It's going to be awesome. Um, we've also got a potential Grand Prix at Indonesia for next year. At the uh, Mandalika circuit in Lombok, um, that is potentially on the table. Um, it's going to be, a, apparently it's a street circuit style sort of layout, so that's going to be uh, terrifying, um, to say the least. It's like playing MotoGP 07 on the 360 again. You don't want those problems. Um, <laughs> and there is also potential for a Grand Prix in Russia. Um, Not at, at Saatchi. Don't no, worry. <laughs> It's it's the Agora Drive Motorsport Complex in Sosnovo, basically. Um, so there's outside um, Saint Petersburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, they could potentially slot that Grand Prix in there if they want to cut down on some of the travel. Basically, and you, so, you just uh, think like, hey, why are there three reserve races? Well, there might be more than one slot to fill on this calendar. 
Yeah. Probably is what I would say. Um, I'll be shocked if this if this whole calendar holds up. Argentina is dodgy. America is dodgy. I'm gonna predict. You I'm know. gonna predict four races either change or have to be change date or have to be swapped out. Yeah, it depends on regulations, basically. Um, and we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Could be travel plans, travel bans, etc. Depends how COVID goes down, because Europe's in the middle of a second wave as we speak. I mean, I'm talking to you live from the middle of a national lockdown, apart from schools and universities and essential retail. That, that doesn't right. sound much locked or down. No, not really. But I'm off work, so great. Um, <laughs> thanks, Paddy Power, for paying me in full. Much appreciated. Um, but yeah, uh, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, who knows how this goes down in six months' time when we roll around to this part of the year again. And who could be open, who couldn't be open, etc. This is all one great big subject to change. And we'll mention yeah. this again when we talk about Formula 1's 2021 calendar being officially, yeah, provisionally unveiled next week. Any 2021 calendar, there's a disclaimer for every motorsport series on Earth. Mm-hmm. Subject to change. Subject to change. It's just the time we live in right now. We'll have to wait and see. Indeed. Um, yeah, basically, Bruno is... I did a bit of extra digging in the meantime. Bruno is is being resurfaced right now, so there's no guarantee that the, the the work to make the track safe after the resurfacing will be done by next summer. So we'll have to wait and see. That's a big old track, Bruno. That's a lot of facility they have to get through. So we'll have to wait and see. That that Bruno Grand Prix is not confirmed yet. If it does, it'll be probably much nearer the time. So again, there's reserve races in place. We'll have to wait and see how we go, basically. But yeah, subject to change. Another another great title for the episode if we didn't go with Dirty Ian already. So uh, yeah, we're a little bit tight for time. So we're going to go through Moto2 and Moto3 real quick. Moto2 was a pretty bog standard race. Uh, unfortunately, um, there was one big drama. Keith Ewan had to uh, break out the tissues and, and basically wipe the tears away because Sam Lowe's binned it from second place. Sam Lowe's did a Sam Lowe's. It's like, we, we, we'd waited, like, I love the kid just breaks out the bottle of water right there and then as you say, Sam Lowe's, that's yeah, a Sam Lowe's, yeah, drink up, King, drink up, uh, good, good, good man. Dread um, it, run from <laughs> it, the Sam Lowe's choke still arrives. Yeah, shout out to my man Kev who put out on Twitter saying, hey, it has been a while since we had a Sam Lowe's moment, hasn't it? And I was like, yeah, it has. Five minutes later, but wow. down he goes and I'm like, oh, there it is, there it is. Sam Lowe's crashes Speaking, from second. So shall it be done? <laughs> yep. Crashes from second and blows his championship lead. Marco Bezecchi would go on to win the race from Jorge Martin in second, Remy Garden the third, and then Aya Bastianini, the new championship leader in fourth. Um, and uh, his, uh, his other main title threat, Luca Marini, was in sixth place. So. Shaking all that up, and it was a pretty bog-standard win for Bez in the end. Um, the pressure, let's say, dissipated after about half distance. Uh, Anaya Bastini now has a seven-point lead in the championship ahead of Lowe's. He's on 177, to Bastini's 184. Luca Marini another 12 points back on 165, and Marco Bezzecchi on 155. Still has an outside chance, 29 points back. Amazingly, like this might actually be the most competitive championship we have left, because Moto3... Might have just gotten blown wide open-ish. Um, this is a complicated one, but I'll, I'll run it through as best I can. Now, Moto3. Opening lap chaos. In the lead group, Celestino yeah, Vietti has a high side. Um, he crashes. He's able to continue, but is out of contention. Doesn't score points, etc. You know how many bikes there are in Moto3. No chance. In that high side... Um, it was Alonso Lopez, I believe it was, who had to duck and cover and basically slam the brakes on to take a void in action when Vietti high-sided in front of him. Didn't know where Albert Arenas was, had nowhere to go, and then Arenas basically was caught in an incident and crashed. Arenas was able to limp it back to the pits. Aspar, as a team, furiously worked on it. They thought, hey... Might as well get some free lap time and some running in for next week's race. Um, so they repaired the bike. They got it back out there. He was about four laps down when he was able to continue. Um, now, Arenas circulates pretty slowly until he sees the leading group in front of him again. 
And he thought, I'm just going to hang out here for a bit. Just, you know. Um, and as he would later go on to say on Twitter, he wanted to prove a point to the field that he was competitive and could race with them, basically. Um, however, to do that, he was ignoring blue flags. Because he was, of course, they, uh, several laps down. <laughs> they blue flagged me. And I took that personally. Oh, man. <laughs> don't, don't you hate it when lap down cars try to race up front? I know. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, no that one likes that. intensifies. Oh, dear. And, yeah, as a result of that, like, it was so bad at one point, he actually completely ruined Darren Binder's race. Darren Binder was in the leading group. Arenas hit him with a couple of nasty block passes that dropped him off the lead group and basically put him in no man's land and gave him no chance of winning. Um, this pissed off the stewards, who then gave Arenas the black flag for irresponsible riding. Now, to point... I think mean, this is the point that... No, Arenas wouldn't have scored points anyway because he was several laps down, but... If you see the pattern of irresponsible riding penalties the way this season is playing out, Johan Zarco had to start a race from pit lane because he was accountable for the horrifying Morbidelli incident we had at Styria. We had Sam Lowe's start a race from pit lane after irresponsible riding when he collected Jorge Navarro in Moto2 at Styria. I'm if detecting the, a pattern, Dre. The pattern seems to be that if you get an irresponsible black flag penalty you tend to start the next race from pit lane. We'll know later this week when the stewards address this issue and whether they see if Arenas takes any further punishment for what he ha- for what happened. But if, if the stewards have any form of consistency compared to what's happened earlier this season, I've got a good suspicion Arenas might start the Valencia Grand Prix from pit lane. And, and, and if he is... cataclysmic for his championship. Yeah, amazingly, he still holds the championship lead because Raul Fernandez won the race. He dominated, pretty much led from start to finish, um, from second on the grid. But Ayagura had a had his best result in a while. He finished third on that one, so he's only three points behind Arenas in the title fight now. Um, the podium was Fernandez, Sergio, not the golfer Garcia in second, and Ayagura in third of Arbolino, fourth. We went from twentieth. <laughs> to the leading group in the space of three laps. He's a nutter, I believe, you know. But, yeah, the championship stand is there in Moto3. Albert Arenas on 157. Ayaguro on 154. And then there's still a, a, a second group behind that still could get there. Celestino Vietti on 137. Tony Arbolino on 134. And Jamie Masia on 133, who also crashed in that race from, I think it was fifth place or something like that. He had a high side of his own and binned it. So, um... Moto Free Championship, all over the place. We can't yeah, call it. Yeah, good luck. Good, good luck working that one out. But uh, we'll we'll report back in a week or so's time to see if Arenas takes any further punishment from that chaotic Moto Free race. And uh, yeah, completely lost his head. Um, Arenas said on Twitter that he wanted to prove a point by running with the leaders and. Basically, he might you proved have it. scuppered his. He might have scuppered his own season in the process. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, more on that on next week's show, most likely. But uh, in that'll just about do it for uh, MotoGP. A, f- a fun weekend, not the best weekend, um, not a classic by any stretch in any of the three categories. But check out the highlights on BD Sport or something. That should be fun. But uh, basically, you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Handles are on the screen in the description. Or you can follow us at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at cbuckley 917 and at RJ O'Connell when he's back on next week's show. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of our audio shows. The $10 tier includes the video versions and the supporters club for Discord where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. We'll be back next week with two shows as Lewis Hamilton has championship point for the Turkish Grand Prix of Istanbul. Are we ready for a coronation, boys? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yay! <laughs> I, I already went through one. Chase Elliott, NASCAR champion 2020. Yay! Hashtag playoffs. Hashtag playoffs. Yay! Hashtag Joey thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> 
deeply considered, deeply considered. We'll be back with two shows on Formula One at Istanbul Park and MotoGP at Valencia. Johan Mir with championship point. A podium will be enough for the young Spaniard to become the 2020 MotoGP champion. We'll talk all about those two races and, hey, potentially two new world champions crowned. Well, one new, one very, very old. But uh, all of that on next week's shows. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been Ryan Eric King and Cam Buckley. And until next time, sayonara. Boys. I love a good championship point. Guys, I, I thought about an intro idea, but I had a feeling it was going to get shot down. My idea was me being Dirty Youth's uh, lawyer saying, Your Honor, we got the meat. <laughs> and he just drops an Arby's bag on the table. <laughs> Your Honor, I need to see this happen. We I have the meats. <laughs> this has to happen now. I demand it. Think of the... I demand it. <laughs> <laughs>